Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. Can you believe it is already January 29th, 2024? We have a great show for you today because there's a lot going on. First, was the one juror's statement enough to get Alec Murdoch a new trial? Brian Koberger never wants to go to trial and won't at this pace. Richard Allen's attorneys are going after the judge again and our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below. Hit that little bell for notifications. And remember, you can always listen to us anytime on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Sorry about last week. I got busy in court, and I was trying to hold off on doing a show today, but I have to go to a motions hearing this afternoon. So the um, Murdoch case is going on and the clerk is on the stand as we speak. So we'll talk about what took place this morning and we'll talk about where we think things are going. So a juror who presided over the Alec Murdoch uh, double murder trial last year testified that the Colleton County clerk, Becky Hill, commented and influenced her guilty verdict. Now the juror, only referred to as Juror Z, said that the clerk, Miss Hill, told jurors to watch Alec Murdoch closely and watch his actions, adding that she reached a guilty verdict because of the clerk's comment. Quote, to me, she made it seem like he was already guilty, Jersey noted to the court when questioned, and the first to testify uh, on Monday. And uh, that's how she said the clerk uh, inspired her verdict, so to speak. Now, Alec Murdoch's defense team um, will be able to question Hill, and they're doing that uh, right now, who is accused of jury tampering in uh, Murdoch's uh, bid for a new trial. Now, retired Supreme Court Justice Jean Toll uh, is presiding over the case down at the district court, and she ruled Friday as uh, Murdoch's uh, fight for a new trial. The defense team will argue that Hill allegedly pushed jurors to convict him in the June 21 a murder trial of his wife of Maggie and son Paul on his family hunting estate. Now, Juror Z also testified that other jurors also made her feel pressured to deliver a guilty verdict, uh, as stated in her affidavit. Of the 12 jurors who found Murdoch guilty, 11 said Hill did not influence their decision. One said he heard the clerk make comments about watching Murdoch's body language, but said her words did not influence his verdict in any way. So following Juror Z's testimony on Monday morning, the uh, judge toll announced that the uh, jurors' cell phones apparently had not been confiscated or they were not admonished to look at them before the proceedings began. And some of the jurors watched a live stream on their phones. The judge then called a, a short recess. Toll asked all jurors from that point forward whether they watched the live stream and if it influenced their testimony in any way here today in the courtroom. None of the jurors said that their testimonies were impacted at all. Uh, judge Toll questioned the first 12 jurors, uh, referred to as a juror X, who presided over Murdoch's trial uh, because the juror had a scheduling conflict with Monday's proceedings. Now, juror X said Hill's comments did not influence her verdict at all. Now, when the judge asked the juror about issues with private meetings that Hill apparently held and whether they had anything to do with uh, the Murdoch uh, murder case, juror X said the meetings were about a different matter 
and had nothing to do with the case. Why is the clerk talking to any juror about any matter? Anyway, Mur uh, Alec Murdoch's attorneys alleged in their motion for a new trial that Hill advised jurors not to believe Murdoch's testimony, pressured the panel to reach a quick verdict, and lied to the trial judge in a campaign to remove a juror who was sympathetic to the defense. It's also alleged that Ms. Hill did these things to secure for herself a book deal and a media appearance that would not happen in the event of a mistrial. Now, Ms., uh, it's alleged that Ms. Hill betrayed her oath in office for money and fame. Now, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division had opened up two separate investigations into Hill's conduct during the Alec Murdoch trial, including a probe into allegations that Ms. Hill used her position as a clerk to benefit financially from sales of her book about the case, which she later admitted include, included plagiarized writings and other uh, probe into the jury tampering allegations. So, like I said, Ms. Hill is on the stand as we are doing this right now. Alec Murdoch's attorneys, Mr. Harpatulian, is asking questions and asking her, did you give a juror a ride home? She says no. Well, clearly the defense has somebody lined up to say that she did give somebody a ride home or they wouldn't be asking those questions. So it goes directly to her credibility. The big issue, though, is it enough for Alec Murdoch to get a new trial? You have one juror who said that she felt pressured by the clerk. And then she also says the jurors pressured her. Well, guess what? In jury deliberations, your vote is equal. If you change your mind to guilty or not guilty, well, that's your decision. And then the judge comes out when they read the decision and asks you, they poll the jury and they ask was this your jury, your verdict, one and all? Yes. Then they individually polled the jury. Is this your decision you made? Yes, 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 yes. Everybody said yes. If she had doubts that that was not her verdict, she should have said no at that time. So I get it, but I don't think that this is going to be enough, at least at this point, at least not with this judge. Maybe the appellate court's will disagree, but I think this judge is leaning towards it did not affect the outcome or the deliberations in this trial. I could be wrong. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, the judge has not indicated whether she's going to rule from the bench or if she's going to digest everything and then prepare a written order. We will have to wait and see. But my real problem is why are these clerks or anybody in government doing a side hustle of trying to get a, a, a book deal? Quit. You shouldn't profit from your time in public office. Bottom line, I don't care who it is, what position, you, you, you shouldn't go into public office and come out wealthier than what your salary would be. I, you're not looking out for the public's best interest, which you are hired to do. You are looking out for your best interest, which is contrary to the public's best interest. So we'll leave it at that. Um, I would love, don't get me wrong, I would love a new trial in the Alec Murdoch case, but I just am not sure it's going to happen. Next, Brian Koberger. He may never go to trial. So it's looking like the Brian Koberger trial maybe not even get started until the spring of 2025. So at the scheduling hearing last Friday, uh, Brian Koberger's defense attorneys and the prosecutors agreed that just given the large amount of discovery in this case, that it will require a continuance of several months before a trial date should even be set. So they had a full day hearing. The uh, first part of the hearing was sealed 
because the defense had filed a motion to revisit the motion to dismiss the case based upon grand jury irregularities. The judge denied that motion. The second part of the day was the uh, uh, scheduling hearing, and Koberg's attorneys argued uh, to reconsider decision not to dismiss the indictment on uh, separate grounds of inaccuracy uh, in the jury instructions that the grand jury received the uh, motion for a second time. The court then took up the issue of scheduling and that Koberger's attorney said they did not believe that the trial could be completed within the six weeks that the prosecutor was estimating. And they believe the trial will take 12 to 15 weeks instead. She also asked that the trial not begin until the summer of 2025 because of the large amount of discovery. Goldberg's attorneys noted that there's no possible way I can even read or watch everything I have now or react to things that are still coming in if we have a deadline in the time for summer of 2024. As recently as January 4th, the defense received discovery that contained some 9,000 tips that law enforcement had obtained. Now, why they are only receiving this now seems a little odd to me. Why is the prosecution delaying in getting that to the defense? Anyway, the defense attorneys also referenced more than 50 terabytes of evidence that has previously been given to them in the discovery, explaining that more than 500 hours of HD video uh, can be contained in a single terabyte. The uh, prosecutors agreed with the defense, saying that uh, they've made every attempt to hand over all evidence as expeditiously as possible, that outside agencies and experts are still working through everything that they have and then getting it to them so they can turn over to the defense. The prosecutors asked the judge to schedule a uh, time um, in the summer when the school's not in session, citing safety concerns. I'm not really sure about that. Logistical concerns if the trial's held while the nearby high school and University of Idaho are in session. And the judge then questioned the prosecution what they were looking for, uh, maybe a possible change of venue. And the prosecutor said he didn't believe moving the case would be helpful because of the pervasive interest in the trial nationally, and it really doesn't matter where it took place. Uh, I'm sure the defense is going to disagree with that. Anyway, the judge was hesitant to agree to set a trial so far out and said that he would take the matter under advisement and then issue a ruling. He said that he would prefer to have the trial held sooner rather than later. And the judge noted, it's hard for me to think about even possibly setting this out until summer of 2025. But he also agreed that, well, this may be reality. We'll have to wait and see. I get there's a lot of discovery, but the public defenders in this particular case have lots of resources that have been given to them, given it's a death penalty case. They could probably get a bunch of law clerks as well. Yes, the attorneys themselves have to review everything, but they can at least by summarizing, start by summarizing everything uh, for the attorneys, get, get the people from the local law school to want to come and try and help. But as we know from um, the next story in Richard Allen's case, make sure you uh, don't let them take photographs. Keep their phones away. All right, next on the docket, Richard Allen. He is trying to get rid of the judge again. So the attorneys representing the alleged Delphi murder suspect, Richard Allen, have filed a new motion seeking to remove special judge Fran C. Gull from the case. Now, the attorney, Andrew Baldwin and Bradley Rossi, argued that Judge Gull should be replaced or recuse herself from the proceedings in favor of a different judge. This is the um, latest motion uh, filed by Allen's defense attorneys. Now, Allen is charged in the connection of the February 2017 death of Abby Williams 
and Libby German, Monon High Bridge in Delphi, Indiana, hence Delphi Murder. Anyway, Baldwin and Rossi were recently reinstated as Allen's defense team. Now, as you may recall, in October, Judge Gull called for them to be removed from the case, citing a social media leak as evidence as a factor. Well, Baldwin and Rossi eventually resigned, although they later contended they did so under pressure from the judge. And then two new attorneys were appointed to represent Allen. Allen's attorneys then fought their dismissal from that case, and that made it all the way to the Indiana Supreme Court. The Supreme Court there in Indiana ultimately decided to reinstate Baldwin and Rossi, although the justices denied a motion to remove Gull from the case. In their latest motion, seeking Gull's removal, Baldwin and Rossi, on behalf of their client, questioned Judge Gull's impartiality and ability to oversee the case without being biased. Quote, at every stage from now until the conclusion of this case, the actions and rulings of the court will be scrutinized through the lens of Judge Gull's error in severing Richard Allen's attorney-client relationship with his chosen lawyers, per the motion. In the motion, the attorneys argued that Gull had affected the attorney-client relationship to such an extent that it was unfair. They cited in their motion, this court has already interfered with one of the most sacred concepts in our Constitution, the relationship between the attorney and the client. There can be no dispute that this has occurred. The highest court in the state of Indiana has cemented this fact. Suppose the Indiana Supreme Court concluded that Judge Gull wrongfully denied Richard Allen of his chosen attorneys. Wouldn't an objective person then reasonably believe that she... Judge Francis C. Gull is biased and prejudiced toward the defendant, Mr. Allen. The attorneys argued that Gull's recusal would remove any sense of impropriety from the case, and the attorneys questioned whether Gull, having removed the attorneys previously, could make rulings without the defense and the public wondering about her impartiality. Now, Gull had said Razi and Baldwin acted grossly negligent with the uh, gross incompetence in their defense of their client, so she alleged the attorneys violated the rules of professional conduct. She expressed grave concerns about their ability to defend Mr. Allen. The attorneys contend that uh, Gull violated Allen's constitutional rights to due process. And in a 22-page affidavit supporting the motion, Allen accused Gull of misleading the public during the October 19th proceedings in which she announced that the attorney had withdrawn from the case. He also claimed Gull interfered with his right to a speedy trial. In addition, Allen took issue with Gull's decision to deny a hearing on the Franks motion concerning the search warrant and other order concerning the ballistic evidence. And that ruling came just a mere two days after the Indiana Supreme Court reinstated the previous attorneys, Baldwin and Rossi. So they stated in their motion specifically, two business days after attorney Rossi and Baldwin were reinstated, Judge Gull issued an order denying a hearing on the Franks motion and denying a motion in limine filed by Rossi and Baldwin regarding the admission of the ballistic evidence by the state. What appears to the defense to be a hastily written opinion lacks any serious legal and factual analysis on such an important issue. Gull's inaction on Allen's mistreatment, the affidavit said, Gull failed in her duty to protect Allen, who alleged mistreatment at the Westville Correctional Facility. 
Allen was eventually moved to the Wabash Correctional Facility in Carlisle, Indiana, some 233 miles away from the new court-appointed attorneys based in Fort Wayne. Meanwhile, those attorneys filed a motion last week to withdraw from the case given the reinstatement of the original lawyers. Well, Baldwin and Rossi had previously sought to have Allen moved, saying long trips to see him in Westville were proving burdensome for the defense. Now, the court has absolute discretion of Mr. Allen's detention circumstances, it's argued in their motion, and it would be entirely appropriate for the court to err on the side of caution and engage in remedial measures to ensure Mr. Allen is being housed under humane circumstances since he is a pretrial detainee. It would be entirely appropriate for the court to order the detention of Mr. Allen in a facility closer to or near his court-appointed attorneys so that they would have the simple convenience of communicating with him in person and under reasonable conditions without the necessity of lengthy trips each and every time they desire to meet with Mr. Allen to, you know, prepare for his defense. The affidavit goes on and argues that Judge Gull has treated the prosecution more favorably than the defense, and Allen accused Judge Gull of allowing the prosecution to withhold potentially exculpatory evidence for months, the evidence which was central to the September Franks hearing memorandum that the defense had filed. It allegedly involved the investigation into the possible involvement of a third party in the Delphi murders, but Judge Gull never referred to the state or the prosecutor uh, as being grossly negligent or incompetent as she had alleged Allen's counsel were. Then you have the speedy trial component. Allen argued that Gull had interfered with his right to a speedy trial when she forced the resignation of Rossi and Baldwin during that October 19th closed door hearing. Allen has intended to file a motion for speedy trial to keep things on track for January of 2024, but Gull prevented this from happening by night by not allowing Allen to have counsel of his choosing, leading to a delay in his trial. In addition, Allen argued he was again confined to the Westville Correctional Facility, where he'd been experiencing both mental and physical deterioration since October of 2022. Now, it's also alleged that uh, court record violations, the affidavit claims, that Gull shielded certain defense documents and records from the public view in violation of administrative rules from the Indiana Supreme Court, and this led to a violation of the public access to those records. And because those acts have shielded documents, these actions demonstrate a lack of impartiality and fairness in violation of Judicial Rule 1.1, which is compliance with the rule, and Rule 2.2, impartiality and fairness under the Judicial Canon of Ethics. Allen alleged further that Judge Gall, following the dismissal of Baldwin and Rossi from the case, struck substantive pleadings from the record demonstrating the court's inability to remain impartial to Allen and displaying judicial conduct that undermines the public confidence in the interdependence or under confidence in the independence, integrity, and impartiality of the court. And then Allen said that Judge Gull had failed to uh, engage in some of her administrative duties, failing to approve invoices for Allen's defense lawyers, and essentially ignoring their appeals to get paid. Back in May of 2023, invoices for Baldwin hadn't been paid until September of 2023. For example, invoices from uh, Rossi and the affidavit state were submitted back in May of 2023, but were not authorized for payment until September. The attorneys also requested a transcript from the June 15th, 2023 hearing, which is the uh, where the defense asked for Allen to be moved out of 
Westville to a different facility. While the request was made on August 8th, the affidavit said the attorneys have not received the transcript. The defense even took issue with the July 2023 social media interaction in which a relative of Gulls published a Facebook post concerning a softball tournament held in honor of Abby Williams and Libby German. The girls' grandparents presented the winners with their championship rings, and Gull replied to the post with a comment saying, congratulations. While the comments may have appeared to be innocuous on the surface, the affidavit argues that it demonstrated a potential breach of judicial conduct, with Gull choosing to comment on the post, even though she was aware she would be receiving evidentiary and resolving evidentiary issues and procedural disputes in this case with the accused girl's killers. In all, the affidavit laid out a total of 19 supporting arguments for why Gull or why Allen believes Gull should be recused or be removed from the case. In the meantime, the prosecution filed another document alleging that Allen's attorneys have not turned over discovery evidence or provided the state with a list of expert witnesses they intend to call at trial. So last week we discussed this case in a little more uh, detail. Uh, I told you that the judge issued an order on the Franks hearing, which is very weird that she didn't at least set up for oral arguments for at least some arguments on the issues and just denied it. And I said, I think this is the judge's way of saying, screw you, attorneys. And um, I think the attorneys get it. Um, it seems like there seems to be a pattern of uh, this judge, Judge Gull, not liking Mr. Allen's attorney. Why? Because there's LC representing him. They're coming up with a defense on this case that uh, the judge thinks is going to take time. Well, if the judge is too busy, recuse. You know, put the guy in legitimate pre-detention hearing, right? Prisons are for people that have been convicted that go to prison. Very rare circumstances that I've ever heard of anybody being held in prison for their safety. And then you have to be in 23-hour lockdown. That's even worse. And yes, it may seem innocuous, but the reality of it is if a judge is commenting on posts where it's in regards to a victim... Is that enough? No. The judge is the one that can recuse herself by saying, hey, you know what, just for the appearance of impropriety uh, or the appearance of fairness, I am going to recuse myself. But now I think she, for lack of better words, she's in a pissing match with the defense attorneys, and she's not going to give in to a single thing that they're asking for, and she's going to make life miserable. Now, why did they do this motion? Why did they file this affidavit? Basically, the Supreme Court said, hey, defense, we got you. You shouldn't have been kicked off the case. The judge screwed up. But all your other issues, the appropriate course of action is not to go to the Indiana Supreme Court, but you need to raise those issues at the lower court level, and then it's an appellate issue, or once again, they can ask for relief at the Supreme Court level if the court would take it. So that is why they're doing it. They're making the record. They're not pulling any punches whatsoever. And I can tell you, because I've done it recently, I had to file a motion to recuse a federal judge. Once again, judge didn't have any hearing, just basically said, denied. How dare you basically uh, question my ability to be fair and impartial, and um, let's move along. But the record has been made. But I'm not going to lie. I got a little sense of the judge didn't particularly like me questioning, you know, their integrity, uh, so to speak, that maybe she should have recused herself. But that's the way it is. Finally today, our dumb criminal of the day. 
you imagine telling the guy, why are you in jail? Yeah, I threw a chocolate egg. That's it. So John Mayhas was arrested uh, last week after allegedly striking a convenience store cashier in the forehead with a chocolate egg and then hopping the counter to further beat up the convenience store employee. So the store clerk, a guy by the name Edward Reardon, Edward Reardon, uh, the store clerk tried to check out John Mayhas as he was uh, next in line. However, Mayhas refused to let Reardon handle his transaction for some reason. Instead, Mayhas walked over to another employee there and uh, paid for the item and then threw a chocolate egg toward the victim, the other store clerk that the defendant didn't want him to wait on him. It's unclear exactly what kind of egg was thrown. Was it a Cadbury? Was it one of those uh, Reese cups, you know, that everybody loves right around, you know, Easter, you know, the peanut butter, chocolate, those are the best. Anyway, uh, no word on that. Anyway, uh, Reardon asked uh, Mr. Mayhaus to leave. Mr. Mayhaus became irate and then jumped the counter to push and strike uh, Reardon in the face. When uh, questioned by the police, Mr. Mayhaus admitted that he jumped over the register counter and struck the victim. And uh, needless to say, Mr. Mayhaus was arrested for battery um, as well as a uh, um, punching as well as throwing the egg. So multiple counts of battery. They're misdemeanors. Mr. Mayhaus was uh, booked into the county jail, was released after posting a $1,000 bond. Can't make this stuff up, ladies and gentlemen. All right. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll have more news for you tomorrow on the Alec Murdoch Macker when it is finished up. And we'll definitely be talking about it tomorrow on our live, which starts at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time. And remember, the Constitution matters.